Welcome to the number one show and the source of truth for all things medtech. Here, we reveal the secrets and stories behind the investments, science, and commercialization of the medtech industry. Every week, we'll take you on a wild ride with the biggest names in the game, from entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking up the market, to healthcare providers who are revolutionizing the way we think and practice medicine. So hold on tight and get ready for a journey like no other. This is the State of MedTech. What's going on, everybody? Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a great week. So today's episode is an interesting topic that I've been meaning to talk about for a long time, and it's important, which is titled, The Most Important Relationship You're Going to Have in Your Career, which is with a great recruiter. And it's not as simple as you might seem, you know, think of it, but that's okay. That's what this episode is going to be about. I'm going to guide you on this, okay, in terms of why it's important, how you need to think about it. And the way that I'm going to frame this, it's going to really change your mentality about this. Okay. Now, before we do that, a couple of shout outs. And I have a very interesting way for you reps to actually make some extra money, which by the way, will be quote unquote, as they call it under the table, AKA, no one's going to know about this except for you and I. So many of you know that I have a uh, consulting company and what we focus on doing is driving product adoption using social media and using content. One of the things that we're able to do is create CME-based content digitally, which means all clinicians, whether they're surgeons, physicians, nurses, they have to get CME credits. I'm an education company, and so I'm able to put CME credits on all kinds of things like Zoom meetings, webinars, et cetera, within a certain limit. My goal, though, is to work with companies and create highly engaging CME live streams, like the ones you guys have seen me done on like the total knee for orthopedics. I did a neurovascular one. So this is really not limited to any specific area, specialty, whatever. So if you think that your medical education department, your marketing department can really benefit from this, which they will, because it'll bring leads for you guys. Uh, it's a great sales asset. Put, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn or send me an email, omar at kativenco.com. Okay subject line CME offer. Okay. Send me, we'll get on a call. You and I, this will be private. Either you do an intro to that person, um, whatever it is. But if you help me get that intro, I will give you a percentage of that sale, which can amount to the, you know, thousands of dollars for you. Right. And all you're doing is an intro. Okay. So if you're interested in that, please shoot me an email. And, uh, that's kind of like my little sly way of making a Trojan horse and helping you guys make some money too. The other uh, thing I want to make sure to shout out on is uh, using data is really the key to the best sales teams out there. Okay. I partnered with a company called Alpha Sophia, which is a database that you're able to look up your surgeons, uh, hospitals, et cetera. But the more specifically, let's say surgeons, and you can see their procedures, their prescribing behaviors, who's paying them, uh, what social media they have, this will help you target your territories. And again, this is not just surgeons, you can be dealing with internal medicine, and you're looking for prescribing behaviors. Okay, Alpha Sophia has this great offer, where you can go and use their platform for free and get three free searches on them. Okay, so go to alphasophia.com forward slash Omar, A-L-P-H-A-S-O-P-H-I-A.com forward slash Omar, and you can get those free searches. I use the platform all the time myself, just to look things up and figure out like what surgeons should I have on the show? What topics should I do? And here's the kicker for this. And, you know, especially for you reps, whether you're a rep or a VP, your CEO is going to love you because unlike some of the other platforms out there, like the definitive health cares of the world, great platform, no offense to them. 
Acuity MD is another one. Um, all those are flight carrier plasma. They cost tens of thousands of dollars a year to use. Alpha Sophia costs $300 a month per user. That's it. I pay for it myself because I think it's a great tool. Okay. So um, check them out. AlphaSophia.com forward slash Omar. You don't, you don't have to be a VP. You could be a, a rep and associate. Go check them out. Okay. Now let's get into this topic. Okay. So um, the most important relationship you're ever going to have in the industry is with a recruiter. And I learned this a long time ago. And the reason why I learned this is because if you think about it, like, like, like sports, okay, you as a sales rep, you're like an athlete. Okay. And so every other season, right? Like not everybody's going to be like a Michael Jordan and spend their entire career with one team. You're going to be traded out all the time. You're going to go to a new team and help them win championships, et cetera, right? Michael Jordan, LeBron James, every great sports figure, they have an agent. And there's a reason why. The agent's going to know what's going on with the market, what your value to the market is. They're going to negotiate the strongest terms for you, okay? And they're going to give you insights and be in your corner because you cannot do this on your own, okay? So let's start with the first, like, you know, and I, I kind of segment this out in terms of uh, why you should have an ongoing relationship with your recruiter, how you should find great recruiters, how to vet a recruiter, traits of a great recruiter, why you need someone to negotiate the best terms for you, and then how to make the relationship mutually beneficial. Because that's the one mistake I think a lot of you make. Because by the way, I have good friends in, in the recruiting industry, right, that I talk to, and I see the messages that some of you guys send them. And to be honest with you, a lot of you guys act like jerks. You act like these recruiters exclusively work for you. And so I'm going to help you refine the messaging because the other thing is these recruiters see messages all the time, all day long. And so you need to be top, you're not going to be top of their list all the time, unless, you know, you are a one and only, which I'm going to get to that in a second of how do you become that person that every recruiter is trying to go after. So right, let's start with the first one. Why should you have an ongoing relationship with a great recruiter. Okay, so first is career growth. So just as a scout can spot talent for a sports team, a great recruiter is going to be able to identify opportunities that align with your career aspirations and medical devices. Okay, and that's because you're you're only focused within your space. So for example, if you're in let's say structural heart, you might know everything that's going on in structural heart, but you don't know what's going on in adjacent and see, let's say digital health software that's going into the cardiac space, maybe a robotics company that's in the neurology space, right? You have no idea. The recruiter, one of their, one of their um, uh, uh, skill sets is that they're getting exposure to so many different technologies. And so a lot of times talking to recruiters is interesting because it's almost like talking to somebody at a venture capital firm because they kind of know where the money's being shifted around, where the exciting opportunities are. And so they're a great resource for that. The other side of it is that they're kind of like an industry industry insider. Okay. They know about job, operating, uh, uh, job uh, uh, openings well before they're even advertised and they can provide really good insights into a company culture and expectations. If you've heard me talk about it before, let me tell you the number one way to get ignored uh, for a job offer. Um, apply directly on the company website, right? Top grade A talent players don't get the jobs that way. Like, yeah, you, you could still apply and everything. And I've gotten even interviews doing it that way. That's not how, the, how it works, right? Um, the other reason is negotiation power. So just like Michael Jordan and LeBron James, they have an agent who represents them. Okay. A skilled recruiter negotiates with your best interest in mind, not just the hiring company's bottom line. Okay. Now, granted, the recruiter is getting paid by that company, 
okay? But the way that a great recruiter advocates for the candidate, okay? So let me give you an example of a garbage, in my opinion, garbage recruiter. Like, terrible, this person uh, tried to represent me, and they were dead to me after this, okay? Let me give you a great example of, like, a red flag. And I was going to jump into this later. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'm going to leave this towards the end. So stay till the end. I'm going to give you this, this story of like garbage recruiters and, 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 and like how you can spot them. Okay. So I'm going to leave that. I don't want to get outside of my chapters here that I've, I've like, I created a framework for a reason, you know? Um, and then the other thing is that an objective advisor, okay? The, a great recruiter is going to be able to offer you very unbiased advice on your career moves, you know, just like. Uh, an agent's going to give like, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, offering a strategy, you know, from from the sidelines to somebody, right? Because a lot of times, you need somebody who's a trusted third party who could see at a much higher level and give you that feedback to say, hey, look, I know that you're thinking about this opportunity, it's more money, but here's here's some repercussions of doing that, right? And I've had recruit, you know, good recruiters in the past, when I talk to them, Give me that level of advice that they are able to reframe and pull me back for a second to really focus on what's more important. And a lot of times our decisions are driven by how much money am I going to make and what's the title going to be, which are two very important criteria. But if you only focus on that, you miss the bigger picture and a recruiter can help you that. Okay. So the question, next question is how do you find a great recruiter? Okay. So couple couple areas. Number one, professional network. So engaging with industry-specific groups on LinkedIn or attending medical device sales conferences to meet specialized recruiters. Usually these recruiters, they're always at trade shows. One indication for me of a good recruiter is, is this recruiter going to the shows that I go to, right? Because if they're not, they don't know anything about my industry. Medical devices, specifically medtech, attracts a lot of recruiters. And let me just tell you, recruiting is an incredibly lucrative job right? It's a lucrative business, which is why you have a lot of mom and pop shops and what I call kitchen table recruiters where you know they don't really have a, they have a business, they have an LC, but they're just doing everything off their kitchen table. Nothing wrong with that, by the way, but you want someone who knows this industry, who knows the right people, they are connected and you know that they have leverage versus a lot of times that's not the case. And again, I'm trying to stay within the bounds here. We're going to get to the ways how you spot crappy recruiters, okay, and how to spot the great ones, okay? Um, the other one is peer recommendations. You know, ask your colleagues. Uh, I think the other thing is, you know, the way I, I discovered great recruiters is that I would talk to VPs and CEOs and be like, you know, who who did you work through? Some of them work through these huge recruiting shops that are like, I don't know, they're kind of like the Nikes of the recruiting industry. I mean, they're really broad, you know, but like a Corn Ferry is number one of them, uh, Jacobs Management. These are really big ones that focus on executive search. But then there's more specific ones that are within the industry that focus specifically on med tech. Okay, just some examples. And again, I, I don't want to if I leave anybody out, I'm, uh, I apologize. No offense. But like some really good uh, recruiters that uh, that come to mind for me, like in terms of big established firms in our industry, uh, the Mullings Group is one of them. Alpine Search Group is another. Legacy Med Search is is a is a third. Those are really good firms, right? Uh, Michael J. Moore, Mike Mike Moore is a is a great recruiter. He he just got um, his firm just uh, uh, was acquired, and they they they're now part of the Mullings Group, which is a great acquisition for them. And congratulations, All right? So that's the other way. And the other thing is again industry presence. Presence. You want to look for recruiters who have a strong online presence, and they actually contribute to the discussions and publications related to med tech recruitment. Like you look at the Mullings Group. A big amount of them, you know, from Joe Mullings to Holly Scott, um, uh, Ryan Blasco, and you know, 
again, the fact that I have to think, you know, there's multiple people there who are actively engaging with the industry. They create content. They do thought leadership, right? That's a good sign because they live and breathe the industry, you know, um, on uh, Legacy Med Search, uh, Paula Rutledge is one. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, her, uh, the partner there, which is, whose, name, whose name's Chris, you know, so those are just a few that come to mind, right? Uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll be able to think of, of more as I go. And I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get emails from people saying, oh, you didn't mention me. Sorry, guys. You know, but anyways, like these, these are the things you want to see because that tells you that these people know what they're doing, right? Similarly, similarly, um, if you're looking to like get into like SaaS and the med tech side, I wouldn't be using a med device recruiter, right? They, you, need to know, you need to know somebody who knows a SaaS, SaaS space well, okay? Now, let's get to um, the important side, which is how to vet a recruiter, okay? One obvious one is track record, right? Look at their, their track record in placing successful candidates into roles. And you can do that just by networking, talking to people, and also seeing which companies have used which firms, right? Another one is that they're knowledgeable. Again, when you get on the call with these recruiters, you want to ask them like specific questions. Like the, one of the things that I, I really get turned off by is when I, and again, there might be a reason for this, but I'm sorry, recruiting a, uh, uh, industry. This is just like, I'm just calling it as it is. If I get on a call with a recruiter and they're like, hey, we have an opportunity, really want to talk to you about it. Great. We get on, I, I, I ask about the, you know, they tell me about the company. They can't tell me anything about the company. Okay, that's fine. What's the space? Why are they hiring? It's like, well, you know, you can ask the hiring manager that. If they don't have any information, they're, at that point, they're worthless to me, right? Because it's like, like, what's the point? What's the point here, right? And so when I, when I talk to somebody, like, I'll give you a great example, okay? Um, a long time ago, you know, like, for example, uh, Holly Scott over the Mellings Group, for some reason, the stars never aligned, and and we we I wasn't able to get placed with some of some of the roles that she had, even though she fought for me like hell, right? Um, but some of the candidates she was trying to recruit for, like she couldn't share all the information with me until I met the until the candidate said, "Yeah, we'd like to interview Omar," but she at least was able to give me some ideas, like, "Hey, this candidate." They have this this kind of technology, like this specific type of imaging technology. It's really a big deal in this specific specialty right now. A lot of venture capital. Like she was able to give me some some ideas. I'm like, okay, yeah, like this sounds like somebody I should talk to. Okay, if the recruiter is just getting on the phone and they're just like, you know, like part of it is a vetting process. But if their vetting process is like, oh, let me see, like how many years did you spend doing this? How many years? If those are their questions they're asking, in my opinion, humble opinion garbage rooter because you can find a monkey to look on a resume or linkedin and say oh this person has you know x amount of years any recruiter who tried to measure me based on the number of years i did something versus my output and results not a good recruiter in my opinion and the reason why the reason why is because sure the the common sense thing is to measure how many years experience somebody has in something however that's like kind of low level thinking in my opinion right as an example, the good recruiters, and this is when I was started, like now, like if I, like a couple of years ago when I was trying to find a job, not hard for me to find a job because I had established myself. But when I was starting out, my first role was three years in, 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 um, in surgical robotics, right? As a marketing manager. The bad recruiters were like, oh, you know, it'd be really great if you had five years of marketing experience. You only have three. The good recruiters, the great recruiters saw past and like, well, what did you do in those three years? Oh, you did this, this, and that. 
wow, you've done more in your three years than a lot of candidates have done in 10 years. And the results you get are insane. I could sell that. A great recruiter at the end of the day is a salesperson. Okay. And so now that you have that filter, you know what to look for because they're essentially going and selling you. So if a recruiter, if their ability to sell you is based on your number of years of experience, it's like getting a salesperson who just sells a product based on features and benefits. Worthless. You want a recruiter just like a salesperson who can sell a vision, a vision of you today and who you can become for that company in a year. Or more importantly, if you're an established rep, established executive, right, you want that recruiter to be able to sell the vision of how you are going to be a catalyst to the company in its current state and how it'll help them transform into who they want to become tomorrow, a week from now, a year from now, right? That's a great recruiter, okay? Again, you can hire a monkey to look at a resume and decide how many years of experience, okay? Um, and then, you know, of course, like just talk, talking to people and getting like, you have to vet these people. Like, you got to ask, you know, ask around, right? Um, a great way to uh, check is check their recommendations on LinkedIn. Because if, they, if, they, if they're a good recruiter, they're going to have people who, who recommended them. Reach out to those people and be like, what was that experience like? Why do you think they're great? Okay. Now, traits of, of a great recruiter. Okay. Um, and, and by the way, let me, let me go back to... To, to something real quick in terms of finding great recruiters. And this is this is a piece of advice. So for those of you, you're going to start going on the job hunt right now because it's Q4 and maybe you just realize like, hey, this job ain't working for me. To get a recruiter on the phone, okay, you follow this, this process I'm about to tell you, you'll get a recruiter on the phone and you'll do it at scale because again, you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find the right recruiter. Number one, send them a LinkedIn message. On the LinkedIn message, say, hi, my name is blank. I work in, you know, medical sales, I'm in marketing, I'm blah, blah, and I've worked in, you know, these kinds of companies. Would you be open to a short five-minute intro call so I can share more about myself and also for me to learn the kind of roles that you have, okay? I really look forward to connecting and also learning more about your firm so that I can perhaps send some of my peers to you based on the job you're trying to place, okay? So now... You're, you're setting up a five-minute intro call, which most people have the time to. You've done the right process, which is sending a message, introducing who you are, what you do, and your value. And you've made it so that there's some interest to help them out, which recruiters never get. Okay. And by the way, as much as I, I personally believe that most recruiters, like if you help them get a candidate, candidate, candidate place that you should get like some kind of like tiny kickback, like I don't know, 500 bucks. Most recruiters, I'm just going to tell you right now, do not like that. Don't ask for it. So when they come to you and they say, hey, you know, I'm trying to find a role, you know, somebody for this role. Do you have anybody in a network? I would take that as a networking uh, investment you're making. Number one is you're going to help this recruiter. And so they're going to come to you more and they'll keep you in mind. You want to stay top of mind with these people with opportunities. And the second thing is you can, this is an excuse for you to look in your network and somebody that you haven't talked to in a while or something, even if they're not looking for a job, everybody likes to know that they are wanted. So a lot of times for a director of marketing VP role and everything that I wasn't interested in, I would go and find somebody in my network and be like, Hey, you know, this VP of marketing role came up. Do you mind if I connect you with the recruiter? I know you may not be looking, but just, just check out the opportunity. A lot of times, sometimes somebody will say, no, I'm not interested in anything. But the fact that you thought about them has, has kind of earned you some, some friendship points with that, right? So now you, you've, you've satisfied both those parties, okay? And at the end of the day, you're going to have to give a lot 
before you start getting. And so I did this with so many recruiters, so many people over the years. And at the end of the year, at the end of the line, like after a couple of years, I realized who the great recruiters are, who the ones who have my back and who are the ones who are worthless, who I don't take calls from because they're worthless. And in my opinion, extremely selfish. The only time I hear from them is when they want something from me, even with my own content, right? Some, some recruiters don't even engage, like at least comment on my stuff every now and then be supportive. But, but they're only supportive when they need stuff, right? So like, again, that selfish thing, like you see that in a lot of recruiters. Okay. Now let's talk about traits of a great recruiter. Okay. These are the traits we talked about it earlier, but I want to, I want to emphasize one is that they're well-connected. They got a really broad network. Again, part of this is that, are they creating content in our industry? And in that content, are you seeing like really well-known names, people in our industry engaging with them? So again, like, uh, I, I, you know, I use it as an example. So like uh, one, one guy, uh, Giovanni Laricelli, he just started his own, uh, own firm called Lifeblood Capital. He gets some great engagement on his content. He's, he's pretty well connected people at the mulling group, same thing, right? So that's one thing. Other thing is communicative, right? They keep you informed throughout the hiring process. They're going to provide you feedback and guidance and coaching, not just like, Hey, you know, we'll let you know when they're interested in everything, right? They're, they're actually like giving, like if they're fighting for you, right? And they're being a real recruiter. They're like giving you updates without you having to ask. So there are two characteristics that you want to look for in a recruiter that are often overlooked. Number one is that they're actually ethical, right? And what I mean by ethical is that they're going to prioritize your career goals and confidentiality over just closing a deal. If they break that, right, which is they don't take your career goals in mind, or more importantly, like this is the sin. If they break confidentiality, right, about about you on the job hunt somehow, they're done. Don't ever deal with them again. Like terrible. So that's the ethical side. The other characteristic is their persistence. Okay. If they have this relentless approach about finding the right fit for both the candidate and the company, that's a great sign. And and trust me, if you understand sales, then now that you have that filter, which is, is this person is a, a great salesperson, then you know if they're a great res- recruiter or not. Okay. You know, and then the um, uh, next next area that I want to cover is like why you need somebody to negotiate for you. Okay, here's the thing: most of you, okay, let's think about it just from a from a math. Let's just like math is your friend. Okay, let's look at the mathematics of this. Okay, in your te- in a ten year career, let's just say you've hopped around a lot. Okay, and you've uh, you've been with five different companies. Okay, so let's just assume. Okay. So those five companies you've negotiated five times. Let's just double it and say every time you've got a new job, it was between you and another company. So that's 10 times. Let's just make it more interesting, 15 times. So every time you got a new job in your 10-year career, spanning over five companies, you narrowed it down to three companies and all three of them you negotiated. So that's five times three. That's 15 times. In your 10 years, you did it 15 times. These recruiters, they probably negotiate 15 times in a week, Okay for all kinds of different roles, you know? And so just like, again, going back to the sports agent uh, analogy, just like a sports agent leverages their knowledge for contract negotiations, recruiter is going to know the standard compensations and they can they can secure a better term for you, right? And a, and a better, better uh, offer. Remember, they are commissioned, like the bigger the offer, the more money they make, which doesn't come out of your pocket, by the way, right? So they're incentivized to get the best deal uh, possible. Plus... They also are going to be the ones to share like a more creative approach, right? So for example, 
negotiating stock options, equity packages, and more importantly, there these you have to ask these questions. Don't have any too many of you reps have an ego about knowing knowing things you don't actually know. Some of you I've talked over the phone and you act like you know about equity and stock options. And when I ask you some simple questions, simple questions, you do not know the answer of it, which is fine. Be uh, uh, be humble enough to say, I don't know this. And more importantly, forget about the, whether you know it or not. I know about this stuff inside and out for the most part because I worked in startups. Every time I went to a new startup, the recruiter I worked with, I would always talk to them about the offer. And by the way, another this is a trait of a great recruiter. They take your call and they provide you with counsel and advice, even if it's not their search. So Again, like I'll I'll give you an example. When I was going to certain companies, everything Joe Mullings was somebody I would I would call uh, quite often. Holly Scott is another. And the, even though that wasn't their search, they got on the phone, they provided advice and counsel to me, right? And I think and I know for a fact that they've done that multiple times for a lot of other people, right? And so that's a good good you know good sign of a recruiter because great recruiters are in the business of fostering relationships, okay? Now, um, the other, th you know, going back to the negotiation side, there are two other things that you want to keep in mind when it comes to why you want a recruiter to be in your corner negotiating. Number one is detachment. They can prov provide like professional detachment and remove their emotions from a deal. For you, this means like more money for you, moving, moving to a new city, all these things. Are, there's all these emotions, which by the way, for sales and for any negotiation, Emotions are not good, even emotions of excitement. So you might be given like, I don't know, a huge signing bonus and all like more money that like, you know, again, for me, uh, you know, one of my first career inflections was like, I got, you know, I think my salary one year went up like 40%. That got me really excited. But I talked to a recruiter at the time. We looked through, looked at the deal and actually when it, when it all was said and done, like it wasn't a good deal for me. I didn't go for it right? For a variety of reasons. And then the last thing is like representation. So again, like, just like if you get sued, you have an attorney, attorney representing you, right? Because they're going to present you in the best light, right? That's what the recruiter's there to do. That's why you want the recruiter in your quarter negotiating. Like personally, you know, like I was lucky because I put a lot of time and effort studying and reading and understanding negotiations, all these, many of you are not doing that. So when I placed myself for a lot of my jobs, like the last, I think three jobs I placed myself in or probably four, it was all on my own, right? But I had recruiters along the way helping me who, who didn't own the search, but they still helped me in providing my counsel. It's great to have a recruiter representing you because at the end of the day, you can kind of... <laughs> dump out your emotions on them. Like, look, I want more money. I want this and everything. And they're going to be able to take that, remove the emotion out of it and go to the client and say, okay, here's how I'm going to position this. Here's how I think I'm going to be able to get from the client. And they can come back and just be like, look, this is, this is what I think we can work out. Right. Again, a great recruiter is going to be on your side. And again, we're almost towards the end where I'm going to tell you the terrible stories of garbage recruiters that I dealt with so that you guys know the red flags when you see them. Okay. Now, the last part I want to make uh, make sure I share before I get into the juicy, juicy details, which I know you guys love. You guys love these war stories, which, by the way, we're doing more of those, um, which is before the war stories is like, how do you make this a mutually beneficial relationship? Okay. You are making a mistake, okay? If, if you're a candidate and the only time you engage with your recruiter is when you need a new job, you're not a good candidate. Remember, these recruiters, 
do not work for you. Technically, yeah, they're working on your behalf, but they do not work for you. And so you need to treat that relationship with a lot of respect. Okay. So a great recruiter, again, just like a great agent. Okay. If you're a jerk, if you are, if you are uh, disrespectful to them, their time and their practice, they're not going to advocate for you. Even if you're a great candidate, I know people who are amazing candidates and they got a reputation of being pricks. Okay. And so most recruiters just don't want to work with them. Okay. So to make it mutually beneficial, like um, open communication, again, you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs, especially early in your career to find these recruiters. Again, start developing those relationships now. Even if you're not looking for a job, try and set up calls with certain recruiters just so you can establish a relationship, line of communication. And the offer you want to give them is say, hey, aside from you learning about me and my career roles, I would like to learn more about your firm so that if you have open opportunities, even if I'm not a fit or it's an adjacency, I would love to refer clients or, or, or my peers to you who might be looking. So just like a, a, a recruiter is going to know about open job positions before they're publicized, you are going to know about certain people who are who are uh, looking for jobs before they've publicized it, right? So for me, because I was in the marketing role, aside from other marketers, I would tell recruiters like, look, I, I know a lot of salespeople. I know, I know a lot of commercial execs. And so I'm happy to get you connected with them as I know about them coming online or you know, becoming more of an agent and starting to look, right? So open communication is one. Um, feedback, you know, you want to provide, you want, you want to provide um, constructive feedback to that recruiter um, in terms of their approach and their process. So that way they can refine it for their candidates. And again, this has to be constructive and it needs to be two ways. You want to get that from them as well. The referral side is probably the biggest part about having a great relationship with the recruiter because at the end of the day, I mean, aside from, I'd say, engaging with their content and promoting them, which is, which is helpful because in my opinion, every recruiter should be a thought leader. By the way, small shout out, like great example, Mike Moore kills it, crushes on LinkedIn. I don't think it's a coincidence that he also happened to go through my program. By the way, if you're a recruiter and you want to go through my medical sales program that teaches you how to create content and thought lead on LinkedIn, send me a message or actually check the show notes below. You can just buy the course there. It's discounted. So there you go. Congrats. Um, and then um, um, so the referral side is really big. I think understanding their firm. So Early in the days, I, used to, I got very close to the Mullings group. And so as they were opening up new searches, I would talk a lot to Holly and be like, hey, Holly, I, I know XYZ marketer, or I, rec or I trained or mentored this person. I think they're looking to be a great hire, right? And so that way you have this like way of nurturing these relationships, one with recruiters and the other one is with your own peers, right? Because your peers are another great network who know about opportunities. They're going to vet you out, right? And a lot of like my success and even my own business today has been the result of the fact that I put out so much goodwill to people. I've worked hard to, to help people, you know, that's what happens. I'll, I'll give you, you know, uh, sort of a quote to live by, which is, you know, when you go out looking for friends, they're, they're really hard to find. But when you go out to be a friend, man, you find friends everywhere. And so for me, I always go out to be a friend to somebody. Right, which means that I'm looking outwards to say, how can I help you through advice, through connections, through whatever it might be, right? And in the future, if I ever need to call on a favor, I know that I can call them. But I never go out making making friends based on my needs at that moment, right? This is my my own personal philosophy for when it comes to networking. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm I'm probably one of the best people I know when it comes to networking. And more importantly, I don't like the word networking. It's about fostering relationships, right? Because you just never know 
who's going to have your back in the future and whose neighborhood you're going to be in that you're going to need help from. Okay. Um, and so, um, you know, the last thing I'm going to, I'm going to say about, uh, about recruiters, again, this, now you guys understand, this is why it's the most important relationship you're ever going to have, right? So foster it, look for them, you know, develop them. And again, by the way, a lot of you reps, you're not going to get represented, no offense, by a Holly Scott, a Joe Mullings, Paula Rutledge, you know, like, the, you know, these, these really big, well-known recruiters, Mike Moore, I, I'd, I'd say is another one, right? And so there's a lot of people who are up and coming recruiters working at these firms, figure out who they are, right? Just my personal opinion, this is my own heuristic. I look on LinkedIn and say, who's, who's creating content? Who's trying to establish them as a thought leader in this industry that CEOs and execs and board people are like, yeah, I love this person's content. You know, they understand the industry. They got their finger on the pulse. That's who you want to associate with. Now, now we got to the end. Okay. Let me tell you some like war stories of terrible recruiters. Okay. So long time ago, there's a recruiter who reached out to me um, for an opportunity in Florida. At the time, I was the head of growth marketing. I'm going to repeat that. The head of growth marketing at Petrero Medical. So I created a category of marketing in our industry that never existed before, which is growth. Okay. So my stock was hot. This recruiter was pitching a opportunity for me to move to Florida and I was married. So leave Silicon Valley where the pay was much higher and move to Florida to work at a company and it was a robotics company. Okay. And to essentially, uh, I think it was report to their VP of marketing, but you know, build their marketing department out. So I was a head of growth. So at that level, at that time, I was only interested in head of marketing roles, VPs of marketing, everything. But I didn't have an ego about it. I'm like, okay, if if it's a if it's a good if it's a good company, um, and you know, it's a great opportunity, I'll take it. The mistake that this person made, and again, at this point, they were dead to me. I went through and I interviewed with like uh, their chief commercial officer, uh, their uh, uh, training. Like I interviewed with three different people. So finally, it gets to the final stage where I'm going to interview with the CEO. And this recruiter made the stupid mistake of getting on the phone with me and say, hey, Omar, everybody loves you. Everybody's like the ideas you came up with were great. They're very excited. Um, but there was a change in the job. I'm like, okay, what's the change? He's like, well, you know, they really were hoping that you had managed at least like four or five people. You've only managed uh, three. And so because of that, um, they, this is going to be a marketing manager role. And my reaction was like, are you kidding me? So like, I just wasted my time and you want me to leave my job where I'm getting paid a lot of money. I was getting paid a lot at that job, you know, in Silicon Valley, move to Florida, build out a marketing department. And you want me to do it as a marketing manager, which means not only do I go downgrade my, my, my position, but that means I downgrade my pay, my equity position, all this. Why? The dumb mistake this person made, the, the guy could have said like, anything. Because again, some, sometimes these companies are run by morons. Okay. So this company, in my opinion, whoever made that decision is an idiot. Okay. You don't go take a candidate through an entire interview process only to get there and be like, oh, let's downrate the job and everything like that. That that's unethical in my, in my book. The recruiter decided to argue with me about why that was a good decision. Dead to me. I, 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 I was very professional on the call because again, I never want to give anybody a reason to 
to to badmouth me or come up with some story. So I was professional in the car. I was like, look, you know, I was like, I'll be honest with you. You know, this is a this this is pretty unprofessional of what that company did. And I don't appreciate that. It's not a company I'm interested in working for. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Hung up dead to me. That person's name came up to me a few times. And trust me, I shared the story with the people who were considering using that person as a recruiter, right? Sorry. At the end of the day, yes, you're representing a company as a recruiter, but you're also representing that candidate. And so your goal is to get the best deal for both parties, which is not easy. I get it. But man, that was a huge scrub. So that was one. Um, second one was a recruiter early in my career, okay, reached out to me and it was for a role. Again, I was I was a marketing manager for a robotics company. I did some really insane things. And this is back in the day where there's only two, two, no, three robotic surgical robotic companies on planet Earth that were commercial. So like that's kind of a rare person to find. So they put me in front of a, a company, okay, and um and uh they they uh you know I talked to the hiring manager. And so this person came back to me and and, and again I was very young. So back then I was I was um, naive enough to, to play this game where she came back and I'll never forget. She's like, you know, Omar, you have some, you know, you, it seems like in your, in your, in your history, you jumped around a lot and jumping around means like, um, I was at one company for, uh, four years. Then I went to one, co another company for a year. And then I move on to a new, new company. Okay. It's part of the startup game. It just happens, but I get it. So she asked me, she's like, you know, you kind of look like a job hopper. I'll never forget her voice. And she's like, can you, um, can you write me an email explaining why? Okay. So I had to write an email explaining why. Okay. That wasn't the part that pissed me off. The part that pissed me off is that again, poor communication. I reach out to that person. I email her, send her, send her uh, some text. Everything. Never heard back from her again. Dead to me. Never work with that person ever again. Okay. Right. Recruiters who are great have an open line of communication with their candidates and they're honest, right? All that person, all that lady had to do is pick up the phone and be like, look, I'm so sorry. It's out of my hands. But like, because of the fact that you've, you've moved around a lot, it's really hard with, with the clients I'm working with. They, they want some consistency. I'm so sorry if that can be of any hope. That's all she had to do. But again, laziness on her part, huge mistake, because again, you have no idea who you're dealing with and who they're going to become. So for me, because of my work ethic and 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 focus, you know, I rate I I I grew pretty I grew fast into very prominent roles in the industry, at least within startups. And I was either directly reporting to a CEO or one level removed, and a lot of times involved in board meetings. And so, you know, I've been in positions where I have I've influenced the hiring of C level people because I knew that they had a bad reputation and they were jerks. And I was like, I don't think you should hire this person. And you know, the, this, the, the, that specific time, like I was a manager, right? So that was one, one other bad story. Um, another really bad, bad, you know, again, examples of terrible garbage recruiting um, is when a recruiter, this is a great one, by the way, you can just, I would, I would recommend um, just block, <laughs> block or just disconnect from any recruiter who does this. If they do an automated blast to you for a job, Okay. And the job is like out of left field. You're dead to me. You're like, not like worthless. For example, if I get a job where I get it, like if you're trying to mass recruit or whatever, but if you're, if it's like a manager, director, uh, VP level role, 
and I get a thing where it's where it's like like I got one from a recruiter who's trying to act like they they know med tech, um, trying to place me for a job where I would be the VP of quality for like a, a manufacturing company to med tech. And I even replied to this person to to call them out. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, did you, you know, what about my background stood out to you? <laughs> you know, that they, they couldn't answer that. By the way, um, great. Um, so now that we're sort of the end, I just want to provide some tactics. Like, so a great question to ask recruiters, in my personal opinion, is that when they reach out to you for a role, you can learn a lot by saying, hey, what about my background stood out to you? Because one, that starts getting them to focus on the positive attributes and everything, but it kind of tells you what's important to them and the hiring manager, right? It's a nice little tactic for you guys. Kind of slip that one in there. Okay. Other really bad examples of recruiting. Um, so again, personally, I can't emphasize this enough. The recruiter has to be a master negotiator. They cannot be the patsy. God, I'm trying so hard not to curse. The patsy of the hiring manager, meaning that they are spineless and they're just going to bend to the will of every hiring manager. Now, granted, a lot of this stuff is out of their control, so they can't do it, but they need to just level with you. And at the end of the day, if they're a salesperson, they have to be a great advisor to that hiring manager and tell them like, look, you need to give this guy or gal a look for these reasons, blah, 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 or this is why this person deserves this level of comp compensation, right? You need to feel like, man, you know, like the the thought that needs to go through your head when you're dealing with a recruiter, especially in the negotiation phase, is you need to think, I'm so happy that this person is the intermediary between me and this hiring manager. That's what you need to think. And again, if it's the right hiring, if you're if you're like struggling with the hiring manager on a negotiation, don't go work for that person because you know the the mistake that I made once in my career is thinking that, oh, once I'm in, I'll prove my value and everything. It'll be easy for me to leverage my position. Don't ever do that. Neg like what you need to think is that this negotiation you're dealing with, this is going to be it for the next three years, right? And and I and I would even say like, yeah, and, and that's how you should think about it. Like is if I, if nothing changes for three years, no matter what I do, am I happy with this package, right? And if the answer is no, then you have to go back and change that. Okay, and again, a great recruiter will do this. Personally, again, like what I recommend is like use LinkedIn, look at MedTech recruiters, right? You can follow, you can check my content, see the people who post on my, on my, on my, uh, or comment on my content, right? Um, and and see see who those people are, right? Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's one more good story in me. While I think about that story, if you're a recruiter and you're interested in sponsoring this app, this show, uh, I got all your decision makers and candidates. So please, uh, if you're interested, shoot me an email at omar at katibandco.com. Uh, we're looking for 2024 uh, sponsors. So we can be monthly, quarterly, or annually. Uh, but yeah, number one show in MedTech, my friends. Okay, so I feel like there's one really good, uh, you know, at the end of the day, again, like I think this filter of like, is this person a good salesperson? And part of a good salesperson, a great salesperson is that they help solve problems. They're great negotiators, but also they're ethical. Like you do not want, so let's flip it on the other side. You don't want a recruiter to lie or oversell you on certain things because once you go internally, if there's this expectation set that you're not going to be able to meet, guess what? Like you're going to be out of the job pretty quick, right? So that doesn't work as well, which by the way, for these recruiters, one of the things that uh, 
is is a metric for them is that I think a candidate has to stay within a role. I think within they they can't leave the role within ninety days or sixty days. Otherwise, like they they don't they don't get that the the commission on that on that on that client. Um, so, anyways, those are my main. Uh, like I guess my high level of like why a recruiter is the most important relationship you're going to have in the industry. That's these these are these are my approaches and how I like to think about it. How I vet recruiters out. And remember, this is an ongoing thing. For those of you who are working for the strikers of the world, and and by oh, how did I forget about this? Let me just be very clear. HR is not the recruiter. HR people are not recruiters. That's number one. Number two, um, this is just my personal experience. Um, People who work as recruiters within companies, it's rare that they're good. I don't know. Like I have a huge bias against this. I'm sorry. If you're a recruiter who works for a company, no offense, but just in my anecdotal experience, the best, greatest recruiters are so damn good that a company cannot afford to hire them. They set up their own thing, man. You know, that's just my, that's just my MO. Um, but, um, you know, even if you work for a big company like a striker, JJ, and some of you have been in these companies for 5, 10, 15 years, that's a risk, by the way, personally, my opinion. Okay. If, you, if there's one thing you should have learned from this year is that like you know, there, are, there are engineers who have worked at Google for the last 15 years. They woke up one day and it's like, oh, Google decided to lay everybody off, including me. So there's no loyalty. So you remember, you're always a number on a piece of paper. Okay. Go and start developing and fostering, fostering these relationships with recruiters. Um, get on calls. Even if it's something as simple at the beginning as like looking for their content and just commenting and engaging their content, that way your your name is top of mind. But you get into you get out of these engagements and relationships exactly what you put in. So remember what I said: when you go out looking for friends, when you go out looking for uh, great professional relationships, they're really hard to find. But when you go out looking to be a friend, when you go looking to be a great professional relationship, a networker, somebody who helps get others connected and solve other people's problems, everybody wants to be a friend. And just like uh, Big Brother, uh, uh, a little bit, a bit of Big Brother advice, one of the things that I'm very proud of to say for myself is that I'm a great friend to have because Everyone who I speak to, I always ask them about their goals, their aspirations. What do they want out of life, right? And I always tell them, like, you know, this might be a weird question. I was like, but like, what are what are some things that are really important to you, both professionally and personally? One of my favorite questions to ask in negotiations and deals are, hey, if a year from now I ran into you and I and and you tell me that the 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 past year is the best year you've ever had and meeting me is the best thing that ever happened to you. What three wishes come true? And I tell them like, you know, be, be, be creative. You know, I'll tell you the person who I once asked this and it's, and it shocked him. And this person has been on Tucker, Tucker, uh, Tucker Carlson's show, my first million, a lot of news stations, all these, and you know, that's Martin, Martin Shkreli, right? And that's my kid uh, in the background who's uh, just finished bath time. So it's dad duty soon. But I remember I, on my episode with Martin Shkreli, you know, the infamous farmer bro, which you should listen to that episode. I asked him, I was like, hey, Martin, um, if, if, if a year from now you reflect back on this episode and three wishes come true as a result of coming on my show, what wishes would those be? And I'll never forget, like he stopped and he's like, wow, like what a, what a great question. Like no one's ever asked me that. And he like really spent time thinking about it. And he wrote, he told me those wishes. And luckily I was able to deliver on those wishes, which is, which is great. And he was very happy about, but my point is with recruiters, um, don't be the jerk off who just sends this message like, Hey, um, currently evaluating new opportunities. Let's jump on a call Monday. 
like, dude, look, they don't work for you and you're, you're, you're a jack off. Okay. Like that's not going to fly. All right. And, and spend time with the recruiter, ask them like, Hey, what are some things you're trying to do as a recruiter? Like, you know, it's important for me to know, understand your goals. You know, my career goals and everything. What are your business goals? And, and ask him like, is it, you're trying to be more thought of a thought leader online? Are you trying to like land certain clients Is a certain area you're trying to get into? You know, like really like be an open book and be like, tell me what those things are so that I have you in mind. Because when you become that person, and again, for a lot of you young reps, I want to train you to think like this, right? Because then you take that same persona, you're being with that recruit, you take that to your job, you take that to your community, all these things. The most important thing is that the avatar of you, okay, the avatar of you, whether it's in your home life, your community, your personal life, your professional life, there's going to be some changes like who i am with my family is a little bit different than who i am on like this podcast versus who i am on in person versus etc etc but all those avatars those personas of me for the most part they're all more or less the same person and so my point is that laying a foundation of who you are as an individual how you like to work with people and everything that is going to create your reputation it takes a takes a long time to develop a strong great reputation Okay. And you have to put effort into it. It's not enough just to be really good at your job. Okay. Or a top producer or a presence. Those, those things are important. You want to be well-rounded. You want to be the kind of person that like a recruiter would be like, like the, one of the best uh, compliments I got from, from professionals is when they say, Hey, can you, can you talk to my son? Can you talk to my daughter? Can you mentor a family member of mine? Or, hey, Omar, you know, I have a, I have a really close family friend and, you know, they, they're they interested in getting in the industry. Or it's a, can they talk to you? When another professional, especially a recruiter, does that, that says something. Okay. So that being said, uh, I, think I, I think I got the point. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please, please, please subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Just like do give me some love subscribe across all three, all three of those. Give us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple. By the way, YouTube, we are now a YouTube partner, meaning that cha-ching, we can start to get making that YouTube money. Um, we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, so that's, that's piping on YouTube. If you like this episode, whether you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, there's a comment section below and even surveys. Go comment. I read everything. I respond to everything. Give me more feedback on these. I love these solo pods. A lot of them, a lot of you people love it. And so I'm going to be doing more of these every Friday. So that being said, I'm your host and your head of state. I hope you have a great Friday, everybody. Go find a great recruiter, get that agent in your corner and make sure to give back to them, help them out. All right, everyone. And if you have some really messed up war stories, like uh, hit me up because that that's that's part of the podcast that we're trying to uh, build out. Okay, you got some big guests coming on soon, big big guests. Okay, and don't forget if you're a rep, if you have a company that needs CME based webinars, etc., hit me up. I'll work the deal with you. I'll give you a little bit of cash under the table. And even for sponsorships, if you know of somebody who wants to sponsor the show, we're, we're looking for new sponsors for 2024. I have one big one that's rolling over, but hey, always looking for new sponsors for different parts of the episodes, okay? All right, everyone, have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. 
Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of The State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has a executive that you'd like to be on the show or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at katibandco.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.